Robert Browning, Porphyria's Lover Much of Robert Browning's education was based on his own reading of his father's extensive library. He was a great admirer of the romantic poets such as Keats and Shelley, and his parents encouraged him in this and took the trouble to track down copies of Shelley's poetry, which were hard to find because of Shelley's atheism. At 20, Browning was influenced by performance of Shakespeare's Richard III and became fascinated by the whole concept of character and how this is presented dramatically. He began producing plays and writing experimental dramatic poems, eventually settling on the form of the dramatic monologue. He didn't invent this form. It was used previously by Andrew Marvell in To His Coy Mistress, and more recently by Tennyson, among others, but Browning developed the form. His characters are sometimes real historical figures, often from Italian history or art, and sometimes imaginary, and Browning represents them in moments of crisis or intense emotion. Sometimes his characters are presented comically, as in The Bishop orders his tomb, for example, but at other times he puts us inside the heads of some rather questionable characters. The emphasis is on psychological realism to an extent that we have not seen much since Shakespeare. Browning's romance with the semi-invalid Elizabeth Barrett, then a much more famous poem than he, was a turning point in his life. He wrote her a fan letter, and they began a correspondence that led to a secret marriage and elopement to Italy. Robert eventually achieved success on his own, primarily after Elizabeth Barrett Browning's death in 1861. He even had a cult following when Browning societies were established throughout England and America. His book-length poem, The Ring and the Book, depicts a sensational Italian murder trial from the 17th century, from a variety of points of view, with various characters and even the Pope, who must judge the case, each heard through dramatic monologues. Porphyria's Lover is an excellent and short example of Browning's skill with the dramatic monologue form, here used to very disturbing effect. The rain set early in tonight. The sullen wind was soon awake. It tore the elm tops down for spite and did its worst to vex the lake. I listened with heart fit to break. When glided in Porphyria, straight she shut the cold out and the storm and kneeled and made the cheerless grate blaze up and all the cottage warm, which done she rose and from her form withdrew the dripping cloak and shawl and laid her soiled gloves by, untied her hat, and let the damp hair fall. And last, she sat down by my side and called me. When no voice replied, she put my arm around her waist and made her smooth white shoulder bare, and all her yellow hair displaced and stooping, made my cheek lie there, and spread o'er all her yellow hair, murmuring how she loved me, she too weak for all her heart's endeavor to set its struggling passion free from pride and vainer ties to sever and give herself to me forever. But passion sometimes would prevail, nor could tonight's gay feast restrain 
a sudden thought of one so pale for love of her and all in vain. So she was come through wind and rain. Be sure I looked up at her eyes, happy and proud. At last I knew Porphyria worshipped me. Surprise made my heart swell, and still it grew while I debated what to do. That moment she was mine, mine, fair, perfectly pure and good. I found a thing to do, and all her hair in one long yellow string I wound three times her little throat around, and strangled her. No pain felt she. I am quite sure she felt no pain. As a shut bud that holds a bee, I warily oped her lids again, laughed the blue eyes without a stain. And I untightened next the tress around her neck, her cheek once more blushed bright beneath my burning kiss. I propped her head up as before, only this time my shoulder bore her head, which droops upon it still. The smiley, rosy little head, so glad it has its utmost will, that all it scorned at once is fled, and I, its love, am gained instead. Porphyria's love, she guessed not how her darling one wish would be heard. And thus we sit together now, and all night long we have not stirred, and yet God has not said a word. End quote. This is a very creepy poem. We are placed inside the mind of this deranged person, probably a psychopath. I've had students say that they felt the need to take a shower after reading this poem, as we hear the thoughts of this killer, assuming that we can believe the evidence of the monologue. The situation is this. The woman, Porphyria, has come to the speaker of the poem in a night of rain, sat down with him, places his arm around her, bears her shoulder, and unties her hair while he is thinking of what to do. In the middle of the poem, he says, That moment she was mine, mine fair, perfectly pure and good. I found a thing to do, and all her hair in one long yellow string I wound three times, her little throat around, and strangled her. This is often read as his having strangled her at the moment of sexual climax. Porphyria's hair would actually have had to be quite long in order to be able to wind it around her throat three times, which raises some questions about the reliability of the narrator and the information we are given. The speaker of the poem felt the need to end her life at that moment when he felt she most belonged to him, to kill her in that moment of ecstasy. But what is even more disturbing for us as readers is his sitting beside her all through the night, propping up her head and even opening her eyes again, while feeling that he has gotten away with something as God has not said or done anything about his crime. Porphyria's Lover is an excellent example of Browning's ability to use the dramatic monologue form to represent a character, in his own words, at a moment of great intensity.